0: Good morning, my name is Nan, and I will be your conference operator today. At this time, I would like to welcome everyone to the Littler's Workplace Policy Institute conference call. All lines have been placed on mute to prevent any background noise. If you should need assistance during the call, please press star, then zero, and an operator will come back online to assist you. Thank you. I would now like to turn the call over to Elise Schumann. Please go ahead. Thank you, and good morning, and welcome to this morning's Insider Briefing Call. My name is Ilyse Schumann, co-chair of Littler's Workplace Policy Institute. Federal legislation to require private employers to provide paid leave to employees remains stalled in Congress, but while the Healthy Families Act remains stuck in Congress, states and localities across the country are stepping in to fill the void. With us today to talk about the proliferation of paid sick leave laws across the country is Libby Henninger. Libby is a shareholder in Littler Mendelssohn's Washington DC office. She is a member of Littler's wage and hour practice group, the leave and disability accommodation practice group, and a core member of the paid sick leave subgroup. She advises and represents employers in a broad range of employment law matters arising under federal and state laws. Good morning Libby. Good morning. Since the beginning of 2015, more than 20 states have introduced bills that would entitle private sector employees to accrue paid sick leave. And more than a dozen major localities have already passed laws requiring employers to provide paid sick leave to employees. New state and local leave laws are no doubt on the horizon. In fact, the US Department of Labor's budget request for fiscal year 2016 asks for more than $2 billion to encourage states to develop paid family and medical leave programs. Libby, what does this increasingly complex patchwork of state and local paid leave laws mean for employers?
1: It's a great question, Elise. So, you know, as you pointed out, there has been an increase since 2007 in local and state paid sick leave. So in 2007, San Francisco became the very first jurisdiction to enact a paid sick leave requirement, and they just started the domino effect. D.C. Was, um, you know, was soon to follow, and then in 2012, Connecticut became the first state to enact paid sick leave. And since then, between 2007 and 2015, as you pointed out, there have been 24 other cities and states that have now enacted paid sick laws. So what does this mean for employers? Well, it means employers have to be aware of the interplay of both state and then the local paid sick laws, as well as their implication with unpaid laws. So, you know, if a state has their own FMLA or under the federal FMLA, you also have to be cognizant and concerned about how the paid sick leave will interact with unpaid requirements. And most employers now have had to take a critical look at their practices to ensure that they're compliant on all fronts. And it's become a focus for employers in the past several years. Well, Libby, can you give us an example of how some of these state and local laws differ from each other? Yes. Um, First, let's talk a little bit about similarities, because there are a couple of things that most of these laws do have in common. And the first thing is that the use of the leave is the same. And the second is that most jurisdictions will include a waiting or probationary period before you can use any paid sick leave accrual or requirement under the law. However, then the differences just kick in. So the main differences then under both the state and local laws are the number of hours that are provided as a paid benefit, accrual rates, which also kicks into the number of hours, and then carryover requirements. So, for example, accrual is generally, in most jurisdictions, at a rate of one hour for every 30 hours worked. But Connecticut and Philadelphia, who just recently enacted and passed their own law, which went into effect, it's one for every 40 hours worked. And the District of Columbia has then just thrown a wrench into everything by not even talking in hours works, but by talking in days. So DC, it's a tiered system. It's either three, five, or or seven days, depending on the size of the employer. And then the question becomes, what's a day? And you have to look at a typical work shift, which is very difficult for a lot of employers. Um, Accrual caps is another issue. So once you've accrued that leave, what where does it cap and it's typically between 40 and 72 hours a year although of course in dc you have the three five or seven days um there are a lot of a lot of other jurisdictions who might cap it at 40. california is capped at 48 that's the max you can bank but then you dig into california and you have local requirements such as san francisco and oakland which cap it at 72 hours so, and in New Jersey, you have nine different cities with sick leave. They largely have the same requirements, but there are slight variations. So, if you're an employer in New Jersey, you have to <laughs> navigate through all of those differences. Um, and then there's different carryover requirements. So, once you've accrued it, certain states require you to carry over a certain amount, and certain localities might have a higher amount. And then, finally, in California and the District of Columbia, they require reinstatement of unused leave. So if you've accrued leave, you leave your employment and you come back within a year, in both those jurisdictions, you're gonna have to reinstate that unused accrued leave. Which means if you hire someone this summer for a part-time seasonal employee and they accrue leave and then you rehire them next summer, you're gonna have to bank that accrued leave. So, What is an
0: employer with operations in multiple jurisdictions supposed to do to ensure compliance? Will a nationwide leave policy even work?
1: That's the biggest question weighing on employers' minds these days. Um, Perhaps, perhaps a, a nationwide policy might work, but it has to be the most inclusive policy. So instead of having the floor, now you have the ceiling of the highest locality that you or state that your operations reside in. Um, One thing employers have been able to do with some success is have a front-loading policy or a lump sum grant of leave. So at the beginning of a year, an employer, instead of having accrual rates where you have to you have to lead up to the amount of leave that you're going to ultimately be entitled to, they'll just give a lump sum. And in many states and jurisdictions, this will fulfill the requirements, but it's still an open issue, for example, in New York City, the New Jersey cities, and in to some degree in the District of Columbia. Um, the good thing about that, though, that is one way you can do it, is if you use that lump sum, there's no need to address or worry about your accrual rates, your carryover, your caps, but you still do have some localities that might still have to be carved out of that universal PTO policy. Well,
0: do you see the trend continuing and ever more states and cities passing
1: lead laws? Absolutely. So just in the past year, there have been approximately 15 states and several localities who have sick leave legislation pending. And unless if the federal government steps in, which they're trying, but it's, as you mentioned at the the beginning of this call, um, the act is, is pending and who knows if it will ever get support to pass. But until and unless the federal government kicks in, even if these local and state efforts don't succeed, I don't see them stopping anytime soon. So what we've been seeing with a lot of jurisdictions is they might fail the first couple of times, but there's such a swell of public support for for these efforts that they just are continuing until they finally do pass.
0: Um, well, Libby, are there any other notable trends you see in new or pending state and local wage and hour laws?
1: Well, you know, as I mentioned, one of the, we are just going to see an increase of these laws. It, there's no end in sight, and employers will just have to continue to navigate a continuing level of compliance efforts in both applying their PTO policies as well as their unpaid policies. But on the other hand, on the other side, we've also seen efforts at the state level in particular to curb the local legislation. So there are already several states out there who have preemption legislation in place in which localities cannot themselves in that state enact their own sick leave laws or other laws that have not been enacted by the state. And so we have been seeing kind of the counter push in many states to add and increase those preemption laws. So, for example, Missouri currently has a preemption preemption legislation that is pending that, if it's enacted, will in fact prohibit localities from enacting in excess of of the state requirements or their own paid benefits or benefits that aren't provided by the state.
0: Well, Libby, thank you so much for joining us today on the Insider Briefing and giving us a view of all that's going on around the country in this explosive area of paid leave. So stay tuned, it sounds like, for future development. <laughs> and if you have any questions, please feel free to feel free to reach out to Libby or myself or Mike Asplin, the manager of the Workplace Policy Institute. And thank you all for joining today's Insider Briefing Call. And that concludes our
1: call. Ladies and gentlemen, this does conclude today's conference call. You may now disconnect.